Good morning, church. It's so good to see all of you in the house of God this Sunday morning. Before I uh, start the sermon, you're going to have to give me 10 minutes for four announcements today, okay? So I've got announcements because I, uh, we really want to bring the church alongside what we're doing. So uh, just 10 minutes for announcement, but I'm excited about it because, you know, at the beginning of the year, um, we just want to say thank you. You know, um, sometimes it's very easy for the church of God to take for granted um, how the weekend services are run, how the weekend services take place, because all this didn't magically appear. Somebody needs to turn on the lights, somebody needs to vacuum the carpet, somebody needs to turn on the screens, somebody needs to play, somebody needs to usher us in. So just this weekend, we just want to say thank you and we want to honour the whole weekend service ministry, the worship team, Connect Ministry, Media Ministry. We really want to honour you. Thank you so much for just putting all this together every weekend, tirelessly serving us so faithfully. We can have what we have because we have all of you serving us. Thank you very much. You know, some of them come in four hours before the service just to get us ready, uh, just to get the service ready for us. So thank you so much. But it's more than just a thank you, right? Because we've got such great, awesome people on worship, on sound, on lyrics, on hospitality, on usher, on traffic, on media, on photography. It's so awesome to have them here. But this weekend, they also have a cry. Hear the cry of the heart that they want to say, Come alongside us to serve in the house of God, right? To serve the Lord God Almighty. So if you've been inspired this whole year that to own this house, that this is our house. This is our house that God has given us to serve Him and to worship Him in. They are calling for serving. So this is Servolution Weekend. So all of the ministries, they're calling to serve. So if, you, if you're interested, if your heart is calling, if the Lord God has just tugged on your heart, this link here is not, a, is not a commitment yet. This link is just a sign up to say, what, what does it involve? What does it entail? What is the commitment like? Where can I serve? What can I do uh, to serve? So just log on to this link. So remember, it's not just for you, it's for everybody. They may not be here this weekend. Uh, so just send them to them because, uh, so I tell you what, yeah, you should take a picture of that QR code so that you get the picture of, of what's in the middle of the screen so that you can send to your friend or better yet, why don't you sign them up on their behalf? Sign him up. And you, and you can just say, the Lord God is saying that you should serve our church this, uh, this weekend. Because you were not in church, tag, you're it. Okay? So uh, sign them up. But more than what, you don't want to hear from me, we've, we're going to hear one or two minutes from Pastor Aaron. He's got something to say about serving in, in this church in SIBKL. So why don't we let Pastor Aaron uh, impart to us. This weekend is Servolution Weekend. There is a desire within us to serve, to contribute, to add value, to be part of and to belong. And this desire comes from God because He has fashioned us in His likeness. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, that we are being transformed to Christ's likeness. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it states that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. If our Lord and Master came as a servant and we are to be more like Christ, we should then also be committed to serving Jesus, the church, and also others in our community. God has given all gifts and we are not called to store it away, but we are called to steward it. When we serve and we exercise our giftings, what we are doing is blessing the body of Christ and in doing so, contributing to the work of God on this earth. We are partnering with God and joining in the narrative of what He wants to accomplish on earth. This weekend is our Servolution Weekend where our ministries are looking for people to serve. We are looking for people to serve in worship, connect and media. There will be booths outside for you to inquire more and to sign up your interest in these ministries. Let us see the fulfillment of the desire that God has placed in us to serve Him. And in the same time, be transformed to be more like Christ. Exercise our giftings and bless the body of Christ. I hope to see you at the booths in the foyer. God bless. Hey, thank you, Pastor Aaron. We appreciate it. So, see if you... Feel the tugging of the Holy Spirit. 
all right? Or if your neighbor is nudging you, that's your cue to come and just sign up and say hello to us at the booth outside, okay? We want to we wanna know you and we want to serve God together. You know, the best discipleship that we can ever do and serve in the kingdom of God is to serve um, in His church, in the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. So it's not just the three ministries. If you have a few calling to serve in children ministry, blessed ministry, marriage ministry, family ministry, there's so many ministries in SIBKL. Just speak to one of the leaders and we will help you uh, uh, find out more about the ministries. Okay, that's Servolution. The second out of four announcement is this. Two years ago, all right, on April 2022, to be exact, the 8th of April 2022. I remember because I was there because in SIBKL, we launched a beautiful ministry called the YAC, the Young Adult Campus, all right? So we call it the Young Adult Campus because the young adults needed to come in to help the campus restart. Campus ministry restart, rebirth, regrow, redo everything. So uh, 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 as the Bible says, you know, when we start out our new faith, everybody drinks spiritual milk. But as one day that will come that we will mature in our faith and we will no longer drink milk but we will eat meat and today this year is that day because the YAC is now matured into what they call the campus community ministry there we go so then these are the people in front these are the campus community people they're all around uh, uh, this whole sanctuary is so exciting. So these are the phases of campus uh, uh, community. It's a whole ministry of college and campus and fresh grad students. It's, it, uh, they're the beautiful people. So uh, th this is a call for every single, the whole SIBKL to own our campus ministry. If you, have, if you know anybody in campus, you know anybody in college, or you have a son and daughter or a friend, please invite them to our campus ministry. Okay, so I want to explain a little bit what it's about. So campus ministry on Saturday, they will come to our first service, uh, service one, which is at five to seven. Then they will have dinner together. Then on Saturday nights, uh, they will have campus nights or cell groups or whatever it may be on a Saturday nights. On Friday nights, they will play sports and play games, captain ball, badminton, basketball, whatever it may be. So this is a little bit about campus ministry. But today in this service, we really want to honor you. So don't be shy. Please don't be shy. We want to honor you. If you are a college or a campus student in this, in this service today. I would like you, can you just stand for us? Because our leaders around would love to give you a gift. Just today, in one whole year, if you are a college or campus ministry, could you stand? Could you stand? Anybody here from college or campus? Anybody? I can't see. Yeah, there we go. Welcome to church. We would love to give you something. Anybody? There's one over there. We would welcome to church. We would love to give you something. Anybody on the balcony? You're from college or campus ministry? Yes, I see a guy standing. Welcome to church. Uh, welcome to church. I see a few, a few people standing in the back. So if you haven't got a gift, please stand up. Keep standing. We want to give you something, all right? This is bought specially for you. I hear Pastor Miranda bake this. Did you? No, no, did you didn't bake this. No, okay. <laughs> uh, so it's especially for you. Please, you don't have to journey our Christian faith alone. There is a group of people that is, that is more than happy with all the love and joy in their heart to journey this uh, journey with you. So come and join us in our campus nights, campus ministry. And if you don't know who the pastor in charge is of our campus ministry, is the one, the only, Pastor Miranda. There we go. Who is she? There we go. That's, that's who she is. All right. So if you, if you know anybody, please invite them to campus. Please speak to her. If not, speak to Pastor Sean. If not, speak to me, Pastor Lindy, whoever it is, Pastor Kim. We know uh, uh, everything about campus ministry. So if you want to find out more, we've got a booth outside. Um, find out more about campus ministry. Amen? Okay. So we've got campus. We've got two more. All right. Give me the third out of the fourth. Now, if you are a young adult in this place, you are not, you are not left alone because last year we've got our church-wide game on, if you remember, uh, game on. But this year, the whole, everybody is preparing for 30th anniversary and conference, so we can't do a church-wide game on. But the young adults decided to do a young adult sports tournament. All right. So calling all young adults. This is fun. It's captain ball. It's badminton. And it's going to happen on the 22nd of May. So this is the safe date. So once more, take a picture of that QR code so that you can get this picture uh, right behind me so that you have the picture and you can send it to your friends. So send it to your sons, send it to your daughters, send it to your friends, and please tell them about our sports tournament. This is not just for SIBKL. It's open to the church plans. It's open to friends. It's open to... Even if you don't believe in Jesus, it's also open for you because it's a community of people that just want to come together and play sports together because Game On was such a big hit in SIBKL, all right? So this is the safe date. Don't go anywhere. It's a public holiday on a Wednesday because the registration will open. You will not forget this. It will open on the first day of Chinese New Year. 
okay, on the 10th of February. So how do you know to register? So join us in our Instagram, uh, uh, SIBKLYA Instagram, and you will find all the registration there. It will open on the first day. So first day, please remember, all right? When you wake up in the morning, you pray. Or please, you pray, right? You pray. After you pray, you have to remember YA opens in registration, all right? So that is the second most important thing. Then you give your ang pals and your bakwa and everything, okay? Praise the Lord. YA Sports Tournament. So inviting all YAs in this house, please join us. We want to be friends and uh, 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 sports with you. Last announcement. This year, excitingly, now I will probably officially launched this in the first week of March. But in SIBKL, we realized that a lot of the young adults have gotten older and more mature in age. And during the MCO, they really took the mandate of God to be fruitful and multiplied. And they multiplied all right. So we've got an abundance of young parents and abundance of young families in SIBKL now. And because of the abundance, we're opening new cells for young families uh, with young kids. We're opening new cells, new district, new homes in order for young parents to come together. All right? So today, if you are a young parent with a young child, you do not have to journey alone. We want you to be part of the community of faith. So young families, Chinese New Year, play and pray will be a time where you can get to know other young parents, get to know who is uh, uh, in charge of a uh, young families district, all right? So it's on the 24th of February. It's at 10 o'clock in the morning. It's at level three. Bring your kids. There are things to do for your kids. Bring yourself as well, all right? And there's things to do for you and you get to see all other young parents um, in SIBKL. So please do sign up. Or better yet, take a picture of this picture to get this picture so that you can have the picture to send the picture to your friends, all right? So if you have young parents out there that are struggling in their faith, uh, please bring them and send them here so that we can journey with them. You do not have to walk alone. You don't have to journey alone. And the young family district pastor is none other than my wife, Pastor Kim. Right. Sitting right there. All right? So... Uh, come and be blessed. We already have started five new young family cells this year, brand new cells. So they are, they are very happy to integrate you into their cells. Amen, church? Amen. Okay, that's the end of the commercial breaks. I want to go into my sermon. Praise the Lord. Today I, uh, is the last day of the vision casting. And two weeks ago, you heard from Pastor Chiu, and he gave a big picture of everything that's happening in 2024. And he has said everything, so I don't really want to repeat whatever he has said. <coughs> Please do watch it and catch the vision of 2024. Last week, Pastor Lee Chiu spoke about vision casting number two, which is prayer and presence. And she, well, it was a wonderful time. Um, uh, we we had to go in prayer and we need to carry the presence of God. But this week, the last week of the vision casting, I, I, I want to share something on my heart with everybody. And I titled this sermon called The Exchange. I think this is very important because when we are in the season of exchange, we're in the season of a handover, we're in a season of transition in 2024, there is only, there's a few postures that we can adopt as a church, and I want to answer this posture, all right? <clears throat> Which is, what is the role of SIBKL as a church in this season of transition? What is your role in this season of transition? What, what, what mandate have God given you as a church? Not so much of the leadership, because the leadership, we know what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to plan the transition and handover, but what is the role of the churches? What is the role of the ministries? What is the role of the cells? What is the role of everybody in SIBKL in order to make success this season of transition in SIBKL? So that's the heartbeat of this sermon. That's the question I want to ask, and I pray that I'll answer the question. You get that answer at the end of my sermon. So we want to journey together in this season of exchange. But something is very exciting happening this year in the month of July. How many knows what's happening in the month of July for us? You know, 30th anniversary, you got that correct, all right? So 7th of July this year is our 30th anniversary celebration. Don't go anywhere. You might be tempted to go somewhere because Monday is a public holiday, but don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss our transition and our handover uh, 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 service. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be good. But there's also something else happening in the whole world in July 2024. Anybody can get a guess? The Olympics! Okay, we've forgotten. The Olympics is happening, all right, on the 26th of July, 
all right, 2024, the Paris Olympics, uh, well, the Olympics is happening, hosted by Paris, hosted by France, and they're going to host the Olympics. So I don't know how many of us, we watch the Olympics, but like it or not, please, uh, uh, Malaysia needs to win goals, okay? Or silver or bronze, doesn't matter. We need to take home some medals. So please, we cheer uh, Malaysia on, all right? But the Paris Olympics is happening, and every time, every four years, the Olympics happen, I only watch several sports. I know some people like swimming, some people like whatever it may be, but for me, I look forward to the final, final few days of the Olympics because it is those days where you've got the track and field. All right, you've got the sprint, you've got the marathons, you've got the relay races, and those are the things that I watch because you can only find them at the Olympics, right? Tennis, you've got opens, whatever it may be. Uh, football, you've got uh, football all year round. But it's, it's the Olympics that you have the track and field. And one particular sport that I pay attention to is the relay race. So this is, a, just, so just in case you don't know what a relay race is, let me just quickly explain it to you because I want to use the race as an analogy of what is happening spiritually in SIBKL. You've got four runners for the relay. You start up here. So the whistle blows and the first runner takes off. You run the first bend. Then you reach a first point that they call the exchange zone. That is the exchange zone that is in the blue. So every runner, the moment they hit the exchange zone, they would hold a baton. That in that exchange zone, they need to pass the baton to the second runner. So when they have passed the baton to the second runner, the second runner would run, pass the baton to the third in the second exchange zone, they pass the baton to the fourth, and in this last lap, there's only three exchange zones. In the last lap, the runner would run for gold. Run as if, you know, uh, the wind is behind your back and run for gold. That's the relay race. Now, in a relay race, there is very specific rules, unlike a sprint. A sprint is one man. One man called Usain Bolt that would bolt to the finish, all right, and it's just him and him alone. He will be the fastest and he will be the best and he will do it himself. But the beauty of the relay race is that if you want to get a gold, it is not just one man. You cannot rely on one man to get the goal. You need a team of people to work together in order to finish the race strong. And not only must every runner be strong, every runner needs to be fast, every runner needs to work together. You've got the most complicated thing in the relay, which is the exchange zone. So the complication is here. There's so many points of failure in the exchange zone. The team only have 20 meters to take the baton and pass it to the other runner. You've got 20 meters, which means that if you pass the baton before the exchange zone, you are disqualified. You pass the baton after the exchange zone, you are disqualified. You've got 20 meters. Now, not only do you have 20 meters, there is also a time limit. So there, everybody has time. You must pass the baton in the exchange zone within 1.9 seconds. If you pass it in 2.1 seconds, you are disqualified. So it has to be 1.9 seconds. Now, in that exchange zone, if you meet the 20 meters and you meet the 1.9 seconds, you must pass the baton without dropping it. And if you drop the baton, you are disqualified. There are so many points of failure in the exchange zone which makes the relay race very exciting. In 2008 Olympics, how many of you remember the 2008 Olympics? You remember it? Okay, it's okay. It's all right, all right? We, I don't think we even remember the last Olympics. But in 2008 Olympics, I remember watching it, all right? Because I remember where I was. And I was watching the relay race. And the American team was primed to get the gold medal. Now, this was a season before Usain Bolt came into the scene, all right? Once Usain Bolt arrived, everybody just, the next target is silver. All right, because he would definitely get the gold. But this is, this is before Usain Bolt. Now, the American team had the fastest sprinter in the world called Tyson Gay. How many of you, you may, you may or may not know Tyson Gay, but he's the fastest sprinter in the world. Now, in that Olympics, he already got a gold medal, I think three or four gold medals, all right, for sprinting the 100, sprinting the 200. The American team are all made up of gold medalists in their own sports of track and field. They were the best team in the world. Everybody knew they were gonna get the gold. Now everybody else was vying for silver. Trinidad was vying for silver. Japan was vying for silver. It was the silver that people were aiming for because they would have gotten the gold. Everybody's heart dropped, right? Everybody's heart dropped. It was the last leg, 
the last leg, Patton was a fast runner. But you could see him. If you see the replay one more time, and I watched this a thousand times, you could see him. He was calling out to Tyson Gay, I will not reach you. Slow down. I will not reach you. And he tried to pass the baton, and he dropped. And, I, and everyone tried to analyze. Is it Patton's fault? Is it Tyson Gay's fault? It doesn't really matter because the baton was dropped. From gold to DQ, disqualified. How sad. You train for four years for that 40 seconds of your life or 37 seconds of your life and you drop the baton. That is the importance of the exchange zone. That we train our whole lives so that we can pass the baton well in the exchange zone. Why I, why I bring this analogy up for us is because I want the church to realize that we are in a race. Whether you know it, whether you like it, whether you understand it, whether you know what race you're in, we are all in a race because the book of Hebrews says, Hebrews 12, 1 and 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I'm in a race of my faith. You're in a race of your faith. But the difference between my race and your race, no, sorry, the similarity between the race, my race and your race, is that we are both in a sprint. You see, I've got a sprint to run in my lifetime. I would run to the finish line and it all depends on me because I need to finish my race that is marked out for me. Same as you. You've got a race that God has set out for you, for you to run. And you run, and you run to the finish line, wherever that finish line may be. But how many of us realize that SIBKL also is in a race? That we as a church, now this race as a church, it is not a sprint. This race as a church is a relay race that we will pass the baton from one man to another man, we will pass the baton from one generation to another generation, and we will pass the baton from one season of the church into the next season of the church. And the cry, at least my cry this morning, is that we do not drop the baton. We hold the baton and we pass it well. For example, how many of us want to see Pastor Chu? Drop the baton on the 7th of July. How many of us want to see that? Nobody wants to see that. Nobody's praying for it. Everybody's praying that he will pass the baton well. How many of us want to see? I dropped the baton on the 8th of July. How many of us want to see that? No, yeah, thank you. No, nobody wants to see that, right? <laughs> Gabe, Gabe, don't worry, Gabe, Gabe's, Gabe's my friend. Right, nobody wants to see that because that is, not, that is not what we are meant to do as race runners. We are meant to pass it well. And what heartbreak it would be if the baton drops. So we are in a very specific season that I would like to call SIBKL. We are now in the year of a divine exchange. This is the year of a divine exchange. If 7th of July is the moment that we pass the baton, then 2024 will be the exchange zone year the divine exchange year where me, I've started running and accelerating. And Pastor Chu have already started running and accelerating. We're going to pass that baton now. We're in this exchange year and now the cry of our hearts is that we do not watch this handover happen. We are participators and we are going to own this transition together. So how and what do I mean by we are in a year of a divine exchange? What are the three points that we need to remember and do? And the first point is this. We need to realize, which I think we already realize, that, on, that this is the year of handover. The passing of the baton. The handover year. But the question I ask myself is, the passing of the baton is from Pastor Chu to myself. What happens to everybody else? What does everybody else do? What is your role in this transition? So I ask you one question. Are you a bystander, spectator? Or are you a partner, partaker? I ask a question again. Are you a bystander, spectator? Or are you a partner, partaker? What is the difference? You see, when we all watched that video clip of the 2008 relay race, 
Were we partakers or were we spectators of that race? We were all spectators of that race. You see, it's very easy for all of us here, including myself, to be a spectator of a sport, whatever sport it may be, right? And we were spectating. And it's easy for, for me that, that every Olympics I watch or the world champions I watch the relay race, it's easy for me to say, why don't you run a little faster? Why don't you run in the, in the, towards the middle of the track? Why don't, you, why don't you grip the baton better? Why don't you, I don't know, practice better? Why don't you wear red spandex instead of blue? Red spandex, you know, attracts the wind better, you run a bit faster. Blue, not so good. You know, it's easy for me to say all that. It's easy for me to sit behind the monitor or the, the TV and just yell at Tyson Gay. You could have won a gold medal. What a shame. And if you can't say you don't relate to a relay race, I'm sure we all watch football. I'm sure we all play tennis or basketball here. And every time your favorite team plays another team, especially the most competitive team, right? Man U versus Liverpool in the house. So Man City versus, I don't know, Barcelona in this place. And every time you sit there, who do you become? You become the spectator coach. Won't we all take the spectator coach hat? And then we say, why? I would have defended better than you. Why are you not defending? Why are you not in the spot? Why are you, not le why are you letting them kick into the goal? And you would tell the sprinter what to do and you tell the, the striker what to do. You should have kicked the ball a little harder. You should have kicked the ball and curved it just like Messi to the top right corner of the net. I would have done that. Why couldn't you do it? Oh my goodness, this team is lousy. You would tell the coach what to do. You would tell Mourinho what to do, right? You, I would have fielded this, 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 this. I would have done it this way, one, five, four. I would have done it this way. I would have, I, whatever strategy that we think we're better, we become the spectator coach. For example, in tennis, how many of us are watching Australian Open right now? You're watching the Australian Open? Just me? All right? Okay, just... <laughs> Uncle, you're watching. Thank you. Who are you supporting to win? Anybody you're rooting for to win? Djokovic? Okay, all right. Me and you in the finals, all right? I'm supporting Alcaraz this time, all right, for, for the Australian Open. I'm supporting Alcaraz. Now, it's easy for me every time I watch the Australian Open, right? Every time I watch, I say, Alcaraz, you should have like, Djokovic's weakness is his forehand slice towards the right hand of the court. You should slice them more, slice them more. Why are you not slicing? That's why you're losing. I'll get very passionate. I'll scream at the TV. Passionate. The passion is there. That's a spectator. You see, in the Bible, there is also passages and scriptures about bystanders. You see, when, remember when Saul was stoning Stephen, the first martyr in the New Testament, he was stoning Stephen? It says in Acts, there were bystanders that were watching all around. And the bystanders would join in in the stoning of, of Stephen. They would join in into the stoning of Stephen. They were bystanders. When Jesus was crucified on that cross, it says there were bystanders watching as Jesus was crucified on the cross. Why were they watching? I believe they were watching because they wanted to see is just Jesus really the king of the Jews? Is he really the son of God? Is he really going to resurrect? So they were just standing there. They were watching. They were watching and waiting to see what was the evidence and the proof that he is the son of God. They're bystanders in the Bible. And we don't want to be bystanders, but it's easy to be bystanders. It's easy to spectate and, 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 and wait and see. For example, have anybody ever asked you, I don't know in this church, can I ask a very brave, open, honest question, an open secret? Have anybody asked you, what are you going to do after the handover? Are you going to stay or are you going to go? Have, you, have anybody asked you? Awkward silence. And what's your answer? What's your answer? I don't know. We wait in Sila. I tell you on the 8th of July, how about that? <laughs> 8th of July, I decide. How about that? Why don't we wait and see 2025? What happens? That's a spectator mindset. And now the call of the church is that we put off the spectator mindset and we put on the partner partaker mindset. I really love this story. You see, in the New Testament, remember the story where Jesus told Peter, Peter, you couldn't catch fish. Now why don't you put your net to the other side of the boat? And Peter said, well, I've been catching fish all night. I couldn't catch anything. What do you mean put my net on the other side of the boat? But because you said so, Jesus, I will do it. And Luke 5, chapter 7 says, so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Peter put their net onto the other side of the boat, he began to catch such a great catch of fish. Then he said, they signaled their partners to come and join in the blessing that God has blessed Peter. That's partnership in the kingdom of God. You see, when the, in the kingdom of God, when God blessed Peter with a bountiful of fish, that Peter said, the blessing is just for me and for me alone. Thank you very much, Jesus. I will catch what I need and I will get rich. No, no, no. The Bible says if you are a partner in the kingdom of God, 
Peter would invite you and then you would share in the blessing. Now, does it say that Peter had one more fish compared to the partners because he was the original blessed person? He had one more fish. Oh, he had two more fish. He was richer than the rest. No. The Bible never compared who was richer or who was poorer. The Bible said, when Jesus blessed Peter and when Peter called the partners in, everybody was blessed the same. Everybody was blessed the same. Everybody got a catch of fish. Everybody got the sale of the fish and everybody was blessed. And it is the same for the kingdom of God. The call and the cry is for us to be partners in this kingdom. Because if God blesses one part, God blesses your leaders. If God blesses your partners, uh, your pastors. If God blesses your elders or your council, if God blesses, don't you want it to say, hey, SIBKL, come and join in the blessing that God has given us. That's why it's so important to be in a cell group. Don't, you, don't we feel it? When somebody in the cell group has been praying, I'm praying that my spouse come to know Jesus. And after six months, your spouse really did come to know Jesus. Don't you think that we are partners and we all rejoice together? We have fun together. We say, wow, we're so happy for you. We pray for you. Let's go out for a meal. Can I take your spouse out for a meal? So that we, we enjoy this celebration together. That's why in Hebrews 3 verse 1 says, Therefore, therefore, brothers and sisters, who are partakers in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Therefore, we are partakers in the heavenly calling, which means God sees every Christian as owners and co-owners of the heavenly calling that God has given the church. We're in this together, church. This is not a one-man show. This is a teamwork. This is a relay race that we are all in it together. The only question is, do we own it or do we not own it? You know, I love stories in self. Where I was praying for my son to come back to Jesus, and now my son is now in a campus cell or in a YA cell or in youth ministry integrated into the team. And every Saturday, he doesn't use, last time he, he never wanted to come to church. But now this Saturday, he forced me to wake up at 11 in the morning so that I have to send him to church. Wow. And everybody rejoices in a cell together because we're so happy for your story. Because we are partakers in the kingdom together. Amen. Every time you hear stories of a healing in this place, in this church, that take place in this church, don't you feel happy and encouraged to know that God is working in this church? That healing can still happen for this church and encourages us all, those who are not so well, those who are praying for a breakthrough, it encourages us that if you can break through, I can break through too because we are partakers in the kingdom. So the call is the question that only you can answer is do you want to be a bystander spectator? Or would you like to be partners and partakers in this transition? And if you say you want to be partners and partakers in this transition, what does it mean? What does it entail? So the first point being handover, the second point is a changeover. There is a changeover and a season of transition that is happening in this year. And in this season of transition, I have said one more time, it is not just from one man to one man but it is one season of the church to another season of the church, which means that God is preparing every soul and every mind and every body that calls SIBKL home, preparing us to host the next season of transition for us. And that is why I really believe in this, and I've been preparing this for a long time. The season of transition of SIBKL is the preparation of the church to carry His presence from one season into another season. That's our role in this season of transition. It is the preparation of the church, being all of us here, to carry His presence from one season into another season. We've got to prepare. Now what happens if we do not prepare? We are not ready to host. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. I was giving an example in SMCC. How many of us here, you know Golden Eagles? Golden Eagles ministry is a brilliant, wonderful ministry. Now, Golden Eagles ministry is 200 people. And in the place, in the venue that they meet in, it's 200 packs. It is maxed to the brim. So, you know, leadership, we, leadership, we start talking. What happens if God says in the new season of SIBKL 
that he wants to have a revival in the retirees of SIBKL. And God wants to bring in 200 new Golden Eagles retirees in SIBKL. And we will move from 200 Golden Eagles to 400 people. But if we do not prepare the space to host the numbers, he can, God can bring in all the numbers, but people will say, okay, I have no seat, I can't stay. You don't have a place for me, so I'll go somewhere else. What a shame it would be if we do not prepare ourselves to host what God has in store for us. For example, if I ask each and every one of us now, if God says to you, and if God says to me, that in the later part of 2024, the new transition, the handover season, or in 2025, God says, I want SIBKL to experience a move of the Holy Spirit that is strong. The move of the Holy Spirit will entail that blind eyes will open and the lame will walk at this altar call. How many of you will readily say, I believe, I accept, I receive, and I want to be the one that pray for blind eye open? How many of us are hungry for that experience? And if we're not, then that's why this season of transition is a season of preparation. Preparation for what is to come. Preparation for what God wants to have for us because I truly believe that we're going to move into a new season of the church, but we must be ready to host. We must be ready for our spirits to be opened. What, for example, what if God says at the end of this year or next year, God wants to bring an influx of new people into the church. People want, people, God is going to save people in this church and every cell in SIBKL will have five new people and every cell would have an explosion of people. Now I ask all the cell leaders, the core leaders and the cells in this house, are you ready to contain the multiplication? Are you ready to raise new leaders? Are you ready to receive the visitors? Are you ready to host them? Is your house ready? But more importantly, is your spirit ready to host them? Is your spirit ready? Because if you're not ready, then what a shame. The anointing would pass you by. The revival would pass you by. That's why it's so strong in my heart that last year when God spoke to me in February 2023, I heard it so clearly. And one day I'll share the whole story, but a snippet of it is this. And I asked God, God, what do you have in store for us in 2024? God gave me one word, two words, get ready. I said, get ready who? He says, get the church ready. I says, how? What do you want me to do? And God says, your job is to get the church ready. The church must be ready to host what God wants for us, to host what God has in store for us. Are you ready, church? Are you ready to host? And how do we get ready? And this is one of the ways. We get ready by the Word of God that is in our spirit. Because if you do not know the Word of God, how can you be ready to contain what God wants to do? We get ready by the spiritual move of God, by prayer and worship and speaking in tongues and coming to prayer altars. That's how we get ready in our spirit. For example, next, uh, before next time, for example, I want to I share this one. Do you know that in, now that I'm, now that I'm more involved in youth and campus, and I've been in young adults and adults almost my whole life, I would understand seasons of transition. Do you know that seasons of transition is where the enemy would use to kill, steal, and destroy a whole generation? It's very important, for example, if you are a child and you wanna step into youth ministry because now you're 13 years old, do you know that children ministry and youth ministry Different culture, different vibes, different feel, different people, different faces, different leaders. Everything is different. And if you cannot adapt fast enough, you would feel like, I don't want to come to church anymore. That's one season of transition. If a youth going to campus, now it's different. It's no longer high school. Now it's universities. Your friends are different. Your calling is different. Maybe now you can drive a car. Or maybe now you're going to university and now lectures are optional. High school is non-optional, but now lectures are optional. Now you have to decide, do I want to go for lectures on my own? Or do I not want to go for lectures? You are now an adult. You have to make that decision. That transition is very important. The most important transition that I've realized in any life cycle of a church is the transition between campus and young adults. That is the most important and the most crucial. And I see so many people, when they move into the young adult season, they fall away from their faith. You could be the most zealous person, youth. You could be the most hungry campus student for the Lord Jesus Christ. But the moment they step into young adulthood, they realize, hey, a whole new world. Right? And they started to, Jesus is no longer first. Jesus becomes number four. 
Number six, number seven, for example, when you go into the working world, now you realize I have a career to build. Now work becomes number one. I want to rise in my ranks. I want to be promoted. Work becomes number one. Then you realize, hey, maybe I want to get married. So do you start looking for a relationship? When you get a girl, the girl becomes number one in your life. Then you realize, hey, when you get a girl, you get promotion, I need to buy a house. Otherwise, where am I going to stay? I don't want to stay with my parents my whole life. So now looking for a house becomes number one in your life. But before you get a house, you know, you need to get a car. You, you don't want to drive your parents' car your whole life, all right? Young adults, we want to be independent. We want to be free, all right, from our parents' shackles, whatever it is. So we want to get a car. Now, getting a car becomes number one. Once you got a Maybe and a flavor of your own car, a Maybe is no longer good enough because now you want a Honda City. When you get a Honda City, it's no longer good enough. Now you want a, I don't know, a Mercedes-Benz. A Mercedes-Benz is not good enough. Now you get a Aston Martin. And that's where you invite me to drive your car, okay? So that's where, you, where you, you're rich enough. You drive me to drive your car because I, I don't think I'll ever drive Aston Martin, right? That's my, my dream car, by the way. So that's the most crucial transition is the young adults. That's where we realize God becomes number, from number one to number 20 in your life. And that's where we get a drop, where people have lost their fire and people are like, hmm, I don't know if I really want to serve God anymore. I don't know if I want to raise my hands in worship anymore. I don't know why do I sing how great is my God anymore because I didn't get that promotion. I didn't get that car. I prayed to God for that girl. God didn't give me that girl. That's why seasons of transition is the most crucial because points of failure is very high. The temptation of the enemy is very high, which is why the call for the church to prepare ourselves in order to contain what God wants to do and in order to have the strength, the grace, and the mercy of God to resist all temptations and to march on forward, to finish the race, and to fight this good fight. So in SIBKL, the word, the spirituality is always important. There is always the word and there's always the presence and the prayer. So the first thing first, if you're part of a cell group, you already have a Bible reading plan, praise the Lord, continue your Bible reading plan. But for those, all right, who do not have a Bible reading plan, this year SIBKL, we are in the Bible reading plan season. This is the year where we finish the entire Bible. So this is only 33 books because we studied it last, we read it last year as well. So if you don't have a Bible reading plan, can I suggest that you take a picture of this picture so that you get this picture so that you get the Bible reading plan, all right? And send it to your friends. Send it to anybody who read the Bible religiously, read the Bible passionately, and read the Bible every day because it is the Word of God that will make you strong, that will make a strong church and a strong generation, the Bible reading plan. But better still, if you are part of a cell group, if you're not part of a cell group, can I just encourage you? It is very easy. It is very easy to fall away from reading the Bible. After seven days, we give up. So that's why we're in a cell group. So somebody can be accountable. You can journey with somebody. You know, it's very, even for me as a pastor, it's difficult for me to even be diligent every single day of the year. That's why I've got accountability partners. I've got my zone. I've got my cell leaders. I've got my pastors uh, uh, to be accountable to and they're accountable to me. I'm accountable to them so that we journey each other so that we finish reading our Bibles. Amen? Amen? So let's, let's build the Word of God together. But the next one is really close to my heart. You see, if we hold the baton and we don't pass that baton to the next generation well, and we drop that baton, or the next generation drop that baton, then how can we, how can one generation command the works of God to another generation? Psalms 145. How can it be? How can it be? We must grow the next generation, and the next generation need to understand that the passion of God, the fire of God is only birthed by an encounter with Jesus Christ and a presence of God that would fall because a preacher can preach to you a thousand messages. You would still be abstinent. You would still sit there and go, good for you, preacher, but I don't feel the presence of God. So it's only the encounter with the Holy Spirit. It is only the presence of God that would convict a human's heart in order to love God, in order to run this race, in order to be passionate for Jesus. And that's why this year in the Next Gen Conference in September, we're calling it the Presence Conference. The Presence Conference. Get excited, yeah, get excited for it, people, because I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. This is the Presence Conference because in this conference, we don't want to bombard you with all the theology of mankind. We're just praying for the presence of God to fall. 
you know, I truly believe when the presence of God is here, we don't need worship. I don't even need to hold this mic. When the presence of God is here, you will know it. You will feel it. And nothing in this world will be able to convict your heart except the Holy Spirit that touches you. And one touch, one moment, and one encounter with the Holy Spirit, one encounter with Jesus Christ will change your life forevermore. So my prayer is, this is the save the date. Save the dates. So this is the next-gen conference. So every youth, every campus, every young adults, every young parents as well, if you are invited to this conference, come. Come. If you're dry, come. If you're hot and on fire for Jesus, still come to this conference because this conference, we are, I want to pray that there is a revival spirit that will go out into the church, that will go out into the next generation, that they will be on fire and they will love Jesus with a passion that cannot be stopped, an unstoppable passion for Jesus. So take a picture of this QR code to get this picture in the middle so that you have the picture to send the picture to your friends. Okay, so invite your sons, invite your daughters, invite your friends. Everybody save the date. Now, this is a long weekend, okay? This is a very long weekend, church. So there will be the temptation to go on holidays, but resist all temptation in the name of Jesus Christ because He has empowered you to resist all temptation because what is better than a holiday in Paris? A holiday with Jesus Christ. Much, much better. So next gen, I invite you. You're all invited. And everybody else, please invite your friends. In this conference, if you ever wondered, Pastor Isaac, what is your story? How did you encounter Jesus? What makes you so passionate? Why do you do what you do? What happened to you? I will tell at the Next Gen Conference. That's where everybody will hear my life story. And I pray it will change your life as well as it has changed mine. Amen? Let's get ready, church. Let's prepare. But just in case we get lost in the 7-7 date, we get lost in the exchange zone, I want to show us the biggest why. We need to know why we are running this race. Why are we running the race? Because it is not the date of the handover that would spur you on. It is not the exchange zone that would spur you on. It is the gold medal that will spur you on. It is the whole race track that will spur you on. It is the crossover, the divine purpose that will spur you on. You see, the exchange zone is just a little time period. The handover is even smaller of a time period. But when we zoom out and we look at the bigger picture, each of us here as a whole church, we have a race to run. We have a divine purpose as a church together to fulfill our assignment before we see the Lord God again. We have that together and together we run this race. And let me explain what it means to cross over into another spiritual time zone. Cross over into another spiritual exchange that God wants to do. Because we need to be ready. But what happens if we are not ready? I give you one example from the Bible. I want to ask you a question. Was Moses ready to go into the promised land? Was Moses ready? Man, he's always been ready. When God called him from the desert, God said, Moses, you are to save my people and bring my people out from Egypt so that they can worship me in the desert. They can get the laws of God and they can encounter God at Mount Sinai in the desert so that they can enter the promised land. I will give them the promised land so that they will have a home that they can worship me in so that the whole world can see that I'm the one true God, the Lord God Almighty. Moses knew his divine purpose. He knew he saved the people from Egypt. He crossed the Red Sea. He was at Mount Sinai. Then when he sent 12 spies into the promised land. Now, if you are a general in this place, when you send 12 spies, you are ready for battle. Because if 12 spies come back and say, yes, let's go in and fight, you must be ready to fight. There is no general on earth if you send 12 spies ahead of you and the spies come back and say, yes, let's fight. Then the general says, okay, thank you for your yes, but we're not ready. Then why are you send me in the first place? The lousy general. So I believe at that point when Moses sent out the 12 spies, he was ready to go in the promised land. He was ready. Oh, he was ready to go in. He wanted to go in. He was hungry to go in. But only Moses, Joshua, and Caleb were ready to take hold of the promises of God. The rest, nope. They were not ready. The people of God, 
the ten tribes were not ready to go in. So when they were not ready, what did God say? Because you did not have faith, because you did not prepare yourself in the desert, this generation shall not see the promised land and I would raise the next generation that will. This is not a generation of old and young. This is just a season of a generation together. And they did not go into the promised land because they were not ready. They didn't prepare themselves to take hold of the promises of God. Let me give you one more example. You know, in the seven years of Babylonian captivity, when Israel was taken into Babylon to be, to be, to be captives, right? By the Babylonians for 70 years. And where the 70 year mark, God spoke and said, now it is time to go back to rebuild the temple of Jerusalem, rebuild the city of Jerusalem and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And there was only one verse in the Bible that says, and there was a portion of the people that refused the calls. They stayed back in Babylon. And when they stay back in Babylon, do you, do you know who they are? No clue. Do you know, are, do they, are they alive? Do they have the lineage now? Are they Babylonian Jews now? No clue. They were assimilated together with Babylon and they were lost forever. But we remember the names that came back. We remember the names that answered the call. We remember Zechariah that came back. We remember Nehemiah that came back to build the wall. We remember Ezra that came back to open up the scrolls and read the word of God to the people. We remember Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah that came back and brought his people in order to populate the city of Jerusalem. We remembered Haggai who prophesied. We remember these names because in the 70 years of captivity, what were these people doing? They were preparing themselves so that when God says go, they say when. When God says jump, they say how high. Because they have prepared their spirits to host what God has in store for them. And that is why they are remembered and the people who were not ready are lost in the annals of history forever and ever. I don't want to be lost. And I don't want this church to be lost I don't want us to be lost in our spiritual direction. So this is the call for SIBKL to come alongside, to be partners in this together, to be partakers in the kingdom of God, so that when God has given us a new spiritual assignment, whatever it may be, we are ready to say, yes, Lord, we will go. Yes, you want me to pray for blind eyes? I will pray for blind eyes and I want to see them open. Are we ready to go into the workplace? Are you ready to carry the presence of God into your workplace? In 2025, we want to do something in the workplace. Who knows? If we do something, are you ready to host the presence of God in your workplace? Do we want a family breakthrough? Then you've got to prepare yourself. You know, I always counsel young adults because young adults have been my ministry for 15, 20 years now. And every time a young adult would come to me and says, Pastor, I need a breakthrough. You know what I'll say to them? Good, I will pray for a breakthrough. But what are you going to do from now until God gives you the breakthrough? Are you going to prepare yourself to host a breakthrough? Because if your answer is no, then why, prepare to, why pray for breakthrough? How can God break through for you if you're not ready to contain that breakthrough in your life? Are you ready to come to church? Saturday, I'm busy. Sunday, I'm busy. What about Wednesday night? You want to come to cell? Friday night, come to cell. I'm busy, I'm busy. Okay, now we've opened, we've, young adults have opened Thursday night cell. Would you want to come Thursday night? Busy. We've got Saturday morning also for you. I'm also busy. Okay, okay, okay. What about Tuesday night? We've got prayer altars. Come on Tuesday night. Tuesday night also busy or every day busy. What do you want me to pray for? How are you preparing yourself for a breakthrough? What is the breakthrough onto? What is the breakthrough for? So we need to prepare for what God has in store for us because there is a spiritual season that we're moving into that is going to be new, it's going to be exciting, and we cannot wait for what God wants to do. And how do I know? You see, what is the assignment that God gave to Moses? What is that assignment? God gave Moses a very specific assignment. You free my people, you get my laws and my worship. That was his assignment. Did he finish his assignment? Yes, he did. He did it very well. But his assignment was never to enter the promised land because that was Joshua's assignment. What was Joshua's assignment? Was Joshua's assignment to free the Israel, Israelites from Egypt? No, that has been done. Now Joshua's assignment is to go into the promised land and fight giants. There's still a move. 
that there are still giants to be slayed and still bodies to be raised. There is still a move that Joshua went into the promised land. He conquered Jericho, crossed the river Jordan, consecrated the people, and he conquered the whole land and distributed to the 12 tribes of Judah. That was his assignment. And he understood it and he finished his assignment. What was King David's assignment? King David's assignment was to consolidate the monarchy in order to establish the boundaries of Israel, in order to kill his enemies so that there can be a whole unified kingdom called Israel back in those days. Did David complete his assignment? Yes. Did he kill his Goliath? Yes. But David said, I want to build the temple for you, God. And God says, no, that is not your assignment, David. I will give that to your son, Solomon. So David's assignment was not to build a temple. What was Solomon's assignment? To build the temple of God and to make God's name famous throughout the earth. Did Solomon complete his assignment? Yes. You see, there is a spiritual season that we move from one transition into another transition, but there is always a preparatory stage. The Olympians needed four years to prepare for that one race that takes 40 seconds. You need four years and church, we need one whole year to prepare for what God has in store for us next year and onwards. I give you one last example before I close. Jesus Christ, what was His assignment? Was His assignment to go into all the world to preach and tell everybody the good news? Did Jesus do that? Flash news, nope. Jesus didn't preach the gospel to India. He didn't go to China. Just in case you didn't know, he didn't go to Brazil. No, he didn't. That was not his assignment. What was his assignment? To be obedient to that cross. To die on that cross, to shed his blood for all of us so that we can be redeemed. We can be reconciled unto him once again. Was Jesus Christ, was his assignment to pour out his spirit to all the earth? No, that was not his assignment because Jesus said, when I go, there will come another because he understood that that is his assignment. The cross was his assignment. And did he finish his assignment? Yes, he did. And because he finished his assignment, we now have life and life abundant. But when Jesus left, there was a 40-day waiting period. And that, that 40 days of preparation, and in that 40 days of getting ready, God says on the 40th day, you wait for me in the upper room. And there was 200 men and the disciples that waited for him in the upper room. And God says, now there is a new spiritual season for you. I will send my paraclete. I will send the comforter, the Holy Spirit onto you. And now the Holy Spirit has been released upon the church of God. And we are living in the season where the spiritual season, where the Holy Spirit is poured out upon His church. That is the spiritual season that we are in. And the Lord gave the disciples a very specific command, the Great Commission, that you will go to the ends of the earth. It is not Jesus' job to go to the ends of this earth. It is the disciples' job. It is our job to go to the ends of this earth, to preach the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to baptize everyone in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey His teachings. That is our assignment that God has given to us God has given to the disciples and they completed their assignment. Are we going to complete ours? Yes, we are. But we need to get ready because our mission in SIBKL, it is not over. Do we still need to go into Sabah, Sarawak and Semenanjung to help the native church? The answer is yes. Did we start the race? Yes. Have we finished the race? No. So in the next couple of years or decades or however long God deems it so, we will still go into the native church and the OA church. We will still go into Kuching and the interiors of Sarawak and Sabah and Semenanjong in order for us to help them so that one day they will be strong and they will help us. When that day comes, I don't know. All I know is we will have to run this race. Have we finished our mission? No. Because are we still inspired by God? Yes. Are we still inspired by God to build a strong, excellent and dynamic church? Yes. We are still inspired by God. But have we finished our mission? Have we influenced the nations? Not yet. We've only begun to, through the firewall and through our puppet teaching, we've only begun to touch a little bit in Hong Kong, a little bit in Taiwan, a little bit in Indonesia, a little bit in East Malaysia, a little bit here, a little bit there. But I believe there is still an assignment ahead of us that we are called to influence the nations, plural, 
and we're going to finish that assignment that God has given to us. Have we impacted all generations? Have we as a church? Do you not know that the youth suicide rate is rising in Malaysia? Have we impacted that generation? Not yet. Do you not know that there is an increase in young adults that are falling away from the church of God? Do you not know? Have we finished our assignment? Not yet. And we are going to finish that assignment. We're going to impact generations so that every generation will know that the Lord God Almighty is our God and He is the Lord that saves. He is the Lord that heals. He is the Lord that loves. He is the Lord who has peace and joy and hope. That is the generation that needs to know the Lord our God. Our mission is not over. So the Lord is saying to us, church, get ready. You need to get ready. You need a, a cup that would get ready to overflow. And I don't want a cup. I want a basin. I want a bucket. I want a swimming pool. So that when God pours out His anointing on His church, I have a swimming pool that can contain the anointing of God. I don't want just a small little communion cup. I want a swimming pool. And I want you to want it as well. So in the name of Jesus, I pray that as we hold that baton of faith, each of us have a baton of faith that we cannot drop, we cannot let go until we've passed it on to the next generation and God calls us home. So I'm going to do a spiritual, a spiritual act right now and I want us all to hold our batons because everybody rise in this place before we sing the closing song. And in your dominant hand, whether it's the left or right, I want you to hold your baton. I'm a dominant right. I will hold my baton. This is your baton of faith. Everybody, this is your baton of faith. I didn't give it to you. SIBKL did not give it to you. Only God can give you a baton of faith. And I want you to hold it and I want you to say, I will not drop it. I will not give up. I will not let go. So in the name of Jesus Church, will you pray with me? Father God, this is my baton. The baton of faith that you have given me. I will run the race. I will fight the fight. I will get ready. I will be partners in the kingdom. Not bystanders. Not spectators. By your grace and your strength, I will finish my race. I will pass my baton to the next generation. And I will contain the spiritual destiny that God has given us in SIB. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.